Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the man with the keys to victory, John Keys. What's up, man? Hey, what's happening? Not only the keys to victory, but I got a fresh cut, too. Oh, very, very nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the coach to the future of MMA, the one and only George G-Money Stallworth. What's up? Hey, bro. How you doing? Pretty good. Happy Memorial Day to both of you. Likewise. Uh, Likewise. It, okay, we'll, 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 I'll say good Memorial Day to both of y'all. Because it's, not, a it's, it's a solemn day, so it's hard to say happy Memorial Day, but merry Memorial Day or good Memorial Day, I didn't know really what what word precedes Memorial Day. I can't just say mm-hmm. it's Memorial Day. Yeah, you can. You can say, hey, it's, it's Memorial Day. Have you had a good one? Okay. Which, you know, it was raining today, but, you know, Rain don't hurt the military, so that's how it goes. All right, all right. <laughs> did did either of you do anything interesting? Grill anything? Do anything besides uh, besides just stay out of the rain? Uh, yeah, I grilled. You know, did my my yearly grilling: uh, fajitas, hamburgers, hot dogs. You know, traditional stuff. Poured a little bit for the homies and my fallen brothers and sisters, and the rest I have for myself. Yeah. All right. George? Um, I had work today. I had a couple of classes to teach and some privates. And speaking of interesting day, I'm sitting here right now as my girlfriend is setting her anatomically body parts up just to tease me while we're doing the show. I guess she's trying to make me crack up and laugh. Wait, what? Uh, uh, what? Setting, setting up so her? My girlfriend... My girlfriend works in, um, I guess you would call it, in the medical field. Oh! Um, so part of what she okay. does is she speaks to uh, groups of people about, uh, I guess, about, what's, what would I say? Um, catheters is, is her specialty. But with that comes the urology piece of it. And so as a result, she has anatomically correct body parts in order to provide demos. And right now, for my enjoyment, she set those two male and female anatomical body parts up right here. So I'm just to go ahead and make me laugh while we're on the show. All right. <laughs> okay, so uh, now yeah, without... it's been an interesting memorial day. Now would without... you like to... <laughs> go would ahead, you like to see the body parts. No. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I've already had that training when I was in the military. Uh, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> before I went to the ordinance corps, they were they sent me to they were going to make me a medical specialist, which is the same as a paramedic here in the civilian world. And we one of the things they we had to train to do was catheters and enemas and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up to speed. We don't need to see that. We're family friendly. My wife yeah. is a nurse. So if I need have any questions, I can just go ask her. Yeah, and, and when you were setting that up, I was like, uh, "Yeah, about the performing arts here." Or <laughs> I was like, "Oh Lord, you know, we're family friendly." Well, talking about performing arts, there is an art to what we do. It's called podcasting, and oh, the yeah. greatest podcaster seems to be a person by the name of Joe Rogan. He is our headliner tonight, so let's get right into it.
This is the headliner. This is where we talk about the topics that are making the big waves in the MMA world. And this time, it's the fact that Spotify is paying Joe Rogan an alleged amount of money of a one hundred million dollars. You got to put your pinky to your mouth when you say it. That's right. One hundred million dollars. So, uh, yeah, UFC commentator Joe Rogan just signed a massive deal with Spotify to take the Joe Rogan experience, the JRE, all the way to Spotify. The contract could max out at $100 million over a few years. So that is a gigantic sum of money. You know, uh, I would like to just make a fraction of that with with Combat Sports Talk. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like the Joe Rogan experience. Don't get me wrong. I've learned so much from that podcast and... But $100 million of, of learning? I don't think they do TED Talks for that much. Yeah, okay? you know, they, they don't. They don't at all. They, they don't do a season worth of TED Talks for that much. Um, it, is, it is an uh, insane amount of money, and that insane amount of money is not lost on Joe Rogan. He says it feels gross. He says that especially given the time that he is signing this contract, while other people are losing their jobs, they're going without... He is basically coming in with a windfall of money, and it's like that's just not his personality. It's not his persona to to feel great about an achievement given the context of everything going on with the coronavirus. So I, I respect that. So he's going to feel bad until he gets that first paycheck. Well, per- perhaps. Perhaps, but I'd like to think that Joe Rogan it has the humility to know that it's probably not the time that he wants to be driving down the strip in a, you know, in a, you know, Bugatti or oh, something. His new Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's just stay at home and be be the same. Well, you can, you can still be humble and still, you know, and your bank account has. Uh, one small number, but a whole bunch of zeros behind it. Well, okay. you know, it's 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 possibility versus probability. Well, it's possible, but when you got all them zeros, hey, it becomes I'm, very difficult not to be not to get that chin up a little bit. So uh, okay, well, I, okay, go ahead. Joe wasn't doing too bad to start with. I mean, his podcast alone was wake, raking in what I think like three million per year, and that's not even including his. Probably UFC pay, uh, his 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 shows as a comedian. I mean, so Joe's wasn't a popper before either. This so, true. So, so I'm gonna ask this question. So let's just say you wake up tomorrow morning, you know, and you look at your bank account and you're like, oh, look at that. There's that's eighty million dollars in my bank account. What are you, are you going? Are you going to continue to go to work? Are you going? Are, are you going to come into the to to do your presentation as you always wanted to do your presentation? Well, I, I mean, Joe has always said, "Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> he's not built like that." Yeah, I, we don't, Joe's not here. Okay, I'm here with Ryan and I'm oh, here with George. Okay, George. George will not be going to work on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday, and on Sunday is the Lord's Day, so I was going to rest anyway. 
<laughs> so what about you, Ryan? Are you are you going are you doing the are you gonna do the presentation that you had written out the night before? Or are you gonna do the presentation that you written out in your heart? Mm-mm. You know, I, I have already, you know, I've whenever we've had the the lottery go up to be like the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, I've played a couple of times and I've always imagined what I would do if um if I did win. And I had decided in myself that I was going to go ahead and like finish out some of the work that I had done because I have just flipped over from I have to do this because I have to to now doing this because I want to. And that takes a lot of pressure off. So I would definitely give them some chance to 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 find somebody else, but man, combat sports talk <laughs> I mean, it's still it's pretty nice right now, but dude, we would have we would be like a television studio. <laughs> dude, just about any place that I work would would become part of Combat Sports Talk Studios and etc. You know what I mean? Like any and everything that I ever wanted to do, all of a sudden, all those businesses are, are taking over anybody else's business. Who I was affiliated with. That's right. So, so yeah, that's that's what you would see if if I came into eighty million dollars, you would see this brand freaking everywhere. But uh, you know, so so I shout out to, to Joe Rogan. He has a great show. He has great guests. Yeah. It, he's well worth the one hundred million dollars as long as I'm not paying it. Um, so you know, I can't wait to see. He says that nothing's going to change. I'm 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 excited to see what it looks like whenever he gets the mass distribution uh, model that that Spotify offers. Let's get into the next ep- the next segment which is finding the angles. This is Finding the Angles. This is where we look at the headlines that are making waves in the MMA world. And we've got a lot of things to talk about. um, But what I'm most excited about is what we have on the schedule tonight. And that is we've got an awesome interview with Arjan Carlos Moreno. And he took some time on Friday to talk to George and I about a whole lot of things. So I want to get to that, but there's a couple of things I want to get to first before we get into that. And then we'll play a clip of the interview, which is in its entirety on YouTube and will be on our website on Tuesday. So let's get into some of these other headlines before we get into the interview. The first one is there is another event coming up for the UFC. It is going to be Woodley versus Burns in Las Vegas. And so the Nevada Commission set a hearing on combat sports return. So that was one of the questions that we had outstanding from last week, is that now that the UFC showed that it is possible to have three events in one week in Florida, they want to come back to their home base, which is in, which is in Las Vegas. And basically, the Nevada State Athletic Commission has been suspending all of all of the fights until further notice so they just had a uh review on thursday the um and they've revealed plans for a meeting on the 27th where they're going to discuss the protocols and what they would take to have to bring back this sport so um that's pretty exciting uh i'm kind of nervous about this uh, i don't think that we're ready for it. Um, 
uh, giving the the guidelines. I'm I'm glad the UFC has went out of their way to do what they've done, and they've done a phenomenal job of doing it. This is a next level situation here. I mean, we I got questions. Are we gonna? Uh, is it still gonna be the same format? Uh, it's just nobody's gonna be in the arena. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna be the fighters, their 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 corner, and the ref. Is it? <sighs> I don't know. Well, the, the, here's the thing. They've enhanced the protocol. So the lessons that they've learned from Florida, they are enhancing it so they can get it approved in Nevada. And so the the, the short version is fighters will be tested when they arrive at the athlete's hotel, and they will remain isolated pending results. That should resolve what happened with Jacare Souza. Fighters okay. will be tested a second time after weigh-ins, and then they will remain isolated pending those results. So if they're able to get through the first gate, they'll get weighed in. If they're able to get through the second gate, they'll be able to fight. Fighters and their teams must have the Nevada Athletic Commission approval to leave the athlete hotel during periods of isolation. So they won't be able to leave the hotel once they're there, and they're going to have to get special approval to be able to leave. And then fighters and their teams must avoid physical contact with non-camp members during isolation. So if you're not part of this camp, you're not the, that, that, that crew of people, then you can't go and have contact with another group because you could be risking um, potentially catching COVID-19 because everyone's in isolation while the testing is, is being done and, and, and results are being found. So it's a little bit tighter than it was in Florida, um, and that's what they're thinking will help them um, control the, uh, the the risk of infection. Okay. Well, I like that type of paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, why don't they test the fighters prior to them even getting on the plane? It's like, why, if you can have knowledge of someone prior to them flying out, they, one, that gives you a little bit more leeway in finding a replacement if you need to. Need to. Um, that saves somebody a trip if they don't need to. And they're at home where they can go ahead and seek medical attention as appropriate. Uh, you know, I, I'm just wondering what the reasoning behind that is. Is it more cost effective not to? Well, because if you test somebody before they leave, let's say, for instance, they leave uh, they're they're at their place. You test them there. Once they get on that airplane, they have just entered into a closed environment with other people mm-hmm. on the airplane where they could be exposed. Right. So you're still going to have to test them, even if they. No, I'm I'm not saying don't test them when they get there. I'm saying if if you want to go stringent, if you think about it this way, Jacare Sosa, if he had been tested before he got on the plane. We would have known that days in advance. There would have been no way in with him. We could have found Uriah Hall a replacement fight already. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You still the, the testing that you're already putting in place still remains. As an additional precaution now, we're also going to test you prior to you leaving your own home. I think it's cost at that point that they're they're not gonna yeah. they're not one to incur those costs because technically where are you gonna go? Like how are you how are you gonna how are you gonna orchestrate that for you know if you have if you have 10 fights on the card, or let's say 12 fights on the card, that's 24 camps. That's, you know, let's say four people, you five people heard in the camp. You heard thing called USADA? USADA tests one person. Right, but they, they test one, they test fighters all over the globe. They, yeah. they send people in the homes, they do these things. They, but yes, but they are on retainer 
I don't think you saw us doing COVID-19 testing. So that means whoever's doing the COVID-19 testing is going to be employees or employed somehow by the UFC, which is additional cost that they may have. Just saying. All I'm saying is these are these are Corona times. These are quarantine times. You know, we don't have to play by regular rules. We we can we're flying by the seat of our plant pants. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead and do some things to to up the ante a little bit. I, I, and again, I, my my point in this is it may seem cost, you know, prohibitive, yeah, adversarial to right. But when you think about it in real terms, we could have found another another fight to replace that Uriah Hall fight, perhaps. Um, I don't know. It's just my thoughts, man. Here's a, and okay. Is there testing going on two weeks after your fight? Like right now, do we know that any of those fighters from the last three weeks tested positive or not? So for those people who are just listening to the audio version of the podcast, we are shaking our heads no right now. There's none of that. We don't that know we what know happened. That we know of. We don't know what we don't know what happened to Jacare. I've been I've been searching. I've been scouring. There's no mention of Jacare right now. All right, so I mean, my boy could be abducted by aliens right now, and we don't know what's going on. All right, drop that, drop that beat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man, that Florida, right there in that eye, in that in that corridor, they call it Lightning Alley for a re Lightning strikes there more than any other place in the entire United States, and mm -hmm. it's not too far away from the Bermuda Triangle. That that's so not true. That's not true. <laughs> Lightning does not strike more in Florida than it does anywhere else in the United States. Hold on. Are we sure about the Lightning Corridor? Have you heard of the Lightning Corridor? I have not heard of the Lightning Corridor, but I am. I, I, I have very good... I, I know that there are other places that gets more Lightning strikes than Florida. There you go. You can go ahead and search that. We're going to keep going with the show. All right. Keep going with the show. So here's the thing. The next fight is already, according to Dana White, the next fight is April 30th. It is going to be in Nevada, in, in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the Apex of, uh, Event Center. Now, here's the thing about the Apex Event Center. It is a 25-foot octagon, not a 30-foot octagon. So it's a smaller it's a smaller arena than they you normally. It's a small, smaller cage than they normally fight in. So the fighters are going to be closer. They're not going to have that same breadth of, of of space to move around, and that's going to benefit some fighters, and it's going to be a detriment to others. That is a tactical uh, disadvantage. I, I I will have to say there. And oh look at that! Did I just find out why Florida is the lightning capital of the U.S.? Oh wow, look at that! But anyway, uh, back to my, to my, um, <laughs> to my uh, what I was saying before. That you know, a lot of people don't think uh, five feet means much. It means a lot. That means that there's gonna be a. It, it's, it's it's I kind of like it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. We're making them get a little bit closer to each other. So you know, there's not much space they're going to be able to run with. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. I mean, if we can get it to down to ten feet, you know, I'll be good with that too. You know, if we can get it bare knuckle. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. If we can get it open weight, that'd be great. <laughs> if we could just you get them USC knives, if we get them <laughs> knives or swords, uh, maybe maybe some shields, this would be even better. Know. 
Oh no, no, that's then that's then that's the medieval combat stuff that's going on going on over in Europe. We don't want that here. We just want bare knuckle, open weight. You know, UFC one, two, and three. That's what I want. So, so the reason why UFC one, two, and three were so was was so intense was because of the you know the different in size of the fighters. You know, you were seeing all these different things. There were a lot of rock'em sock'em kind of things big knockouts and that's why we were so excited about jones versus Nganu, right Ooh. last week we were like that's what we want to see <laughs> it's doa john jones is is upset he said even before discussing numbers the ufc was unwilling to pay more for the francis fight they don't want him to move up to to to, to heavyweight according to john jones dana, dana white said that Fans would love to see Jones versus Ngannou, but he doesn't see it's going to happen. And 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 Francis Ngannou said the the UFC is not willing to make this fight happen because it they're not willing to pay the money that the fighters say it's worth. So is this a big fighter? Is it not? This is a huge fight, and mark my words, Dana White knows this fight is going to happen. The UFC knows this fight is going to happen. They're going to make it happen. It's, is, it's just a matter of lining up the UFC's best interests in this fight. And, and then on top of that, because this fight came from the fighters, it didn't come from the matchmakers themselves. Um, so there's this whole negotiation piece where the fighters believe the fight is worth a lot more than the UFC wants to pay. And, and you know, so the UFC has to humble both Francis and John, because imagine if they paid him what they want. They're setting a precedent for the rest of the UFC roster that, hey, I can go in here, pick me out a money fight, and y'all got to pay me more than my contract says, too. Exactly. And that's the problem. Well, the, a couple of things went, went south on this. First of all, it is an exciting fight, okay? This is a fight that that we as fans would love to see. Fighters would love to see this go down. However, it's something that Uncle Chael said, okay? You cannot put this out on blast. All right, you you must save face when you are doing this. Okay, John Jones putting it out there like he did—that was not, that was that was poor form. Okay, both fighters sitting out there putting it out like it is poor form. And if anything, they forced Dana's hand, and Dana's hand is going to be the one of the smack. One's going to get the backhand, most likely Jones. Okay, and Engano's going to get the forehand of it. I don't think that's safe. No, it's not. <laughs> don't be don't be trying to smack either one. I mean, you shouldn't try to slap either one, but I don't like your odds trying to trying to slap uh, Francis Ngannou. That dude picked up Shaq, scared Shaq, because Shaq ain't never been that high. You know, what, Shaq 350, 325? <laughs> yeah, and Francis Ngannou's like, that dude was light. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, he picked him up like a backpack, and that's, <laughs> and that's not good, okay? So, um, yeah, so basically, Dana's going to have to force, force his hand, and I'm afraid that hand force is what's going what's gonna to result of that is Dominic Reyes is about to get a lot. It's about to get another championship run. I, I, I don't think I, – I disagree with both of you. I think that what it is is it's Fight Island. That's a fight they want for Fight Island. No. Try, trying to no. trying to put that fight before Fight Island is, it's they need to see that Fight Island's going to work, and then that's how you get you get them. 
this is this is not about money. The UFC has the money. They know it's a big fight. No, no, I disagree. Uh, I, I do think this that. is about money. The UFC wants to put this before a live audience. Mm. Think about the gate that's missing right now, man. Mm. Yeah, I think about, okay. Yeah. Yes, I agree. This is and this is right. Of, and on top of that, like Dana said in the first fight, it, it looks like that. Yeah, they may they may talk about wanting, but he doesn't think they really want it either. Okay, and I'm and I'm a, I'm inclined to kind of agree with the one, two. Wait, gentlemen. I mean, if they really wanted to make this fight, Dana would have sat there and said, "We're gonna make this fight. We're gonna set it up for a date. We don't know what the date's gonna be." You know, the wording of it all. Like I said, John messed it up by putting it all out on, on, on social well, media. Well, according to John Jones, he said that they told him that when he moves to heavyweight, they will restructure his contract. So that's what's motivating him to go to heavyweight is the fact that they're promising him a restructuring of his deal. Now, here's the thing from John Jones's manager um, uh, who said that the situation was just like, he says, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's pretty much a case of John wants to fight Francis. He's looking to get compensated for it. And they're like, maybe not right now. It's not going to happen. And so I, I think that it gives credence to, to, to George's point that they can't have fights in front of a live audience. And so the gate that you would be able to make on something like Jones versus Nganu would be huge. So yeah, I, I you you've sold me on that. I, I absolutely think that this is has everything to do with um I think this has everything to do with there not being a live audience and they want to save it for that because that would be a huge fight where everyone would turn out. People would turn out in droves in um in uh uh bars and things like that. It's almost like that Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor style of fight. The, the bigger yeah. amount of money is right there. So why would they hold that fight while we're still looking at uh, look, looking at empty arenas and things like that? Uh, you sold me on that. I, I completely agree. Speaking yeah. of speaking of, of of someone who turned down an offer, Mike Tyson got offered twenty million dollars from Bare Knuckle FC. Also, they tried to get him uh, the axe murderer, Wanderlei Silva, as an opponent. Say his name again, Ryan. Wanderlei. Who? Who? Is it Wanderlei Silva? Is that better? Is it yes, the sir. Yes, there sir. you yes, go. Yeah. Okay. I know Wanderlei that Silva. Out here with his Brazilian uh, slash Portuguese uh, background. So, uh, so yeah, they, they, but he turned it down. They, and and they, and and the, the the you know the guy who runs um, uh, David Feldman, who runs Bare Knuckle FC, said it. He said no immediately, but he is not deterred. He said there's still some room here. He's like Ted DiBiase. He's like, everybody's got a price. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm going to say it like this. Mike Tyson and Vanderlei Silva in the same ring guarantees a ring death. Okay? Those two <laughs> would murder that You talk about hey, it. Hey, they're willing to do it. I'm willing to watch it. Okay? But make 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 no bones about it somebody's coming away with cosmetic surgery i promise you oh that. well yeah 
Um, that, they both ugly. Well, right, let's put it out there. They both ugly. T- talking about somebody who came down, had, had came out of the ring with cosmetic surgery. Anthony Smith is still talking about the brutalization that he took at the hands of Glover Teixeira. He's saying that he is not a victim of bad coaching or bad refereeing. He says he put himself in this position. He says that I'm not a victim. That's what people want to. That's what I want people to know. I put myself in this position on purpose. That's all I want people to know. It's not that I don't care that they were upset about it or that I don't care uh, that they care. I love it. I love the responses that I've gotten. It was hard to watch and that they love me and they want to see me keep fighting. I love it. I appreciate it. It's humbling. I just don't want it to be this narrative that I'm the victim because I'm not. Um, He goes on to say, put that on me. Listen, I understand the fan side. I get it. It makes me look crazy. I'm not anti-stopping fights. I'm not anti. I'm not against throwing in the towel. I'm not against cornermen stepping in and saying that's enough. I'm just against it for me. I personally would stop fights for people that I care about that I'm coaching. I would do that. I have no problem sle- uh, stepping in and stopping a fight, and I think that needs to happen more. Just not with me. I know it sounds nuts. I can't go there. It doesn't sound nuts. That's a that's his mentality. It sounds nuts. It sounds nuts it, to me. It, okay, it sounds nuts to you. To me, he's made it perfectly clear on what he wants when he wants to happen in the ring. Okay, his corner. He told his corner, "Hey, don't do it," and they didn't do it. So I'm that. That's when the ref is supposed to say, "No, no, I'm not. I'm not not having this in my ring." Because he is the ultimate judge. I've said this week. I think I said this last week. I think I said a week before last. I have no problem with this mentality, but the judge better be there to jump in and stop that. So, okay. so this is this is my segue into Coach uh, Arjan Carlos Moreno's interview because of all the he talked about a lot of things, and so I really encourage you guys to go to our, our YouTube page and watch the entire hour and twenty minute video where he talks about. The history of Muay Thai. He talks about his his introduction into the sport and how he became, you know, a, a fighter and a coach and a referee and now a judge. Like those are the things that we want to be able to um, that that we want that I thought were fascinating. But the things that he said about um, the things that he said about fighter safety and the corner taking care of their fighter is what we really need to hear when we hear fighters saying this because i think that when at the end of the day it's not only the ref's responsibility to keep a fighter safe but it's also the corner's responsibility to keep a fighter safe and as coach says and he'll say in this clip to save the fighter from himself and with that i'd like to to introduce you guys or 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 introduce you guys to this to this interview with uh, uh, Arjan Carlos Moreno. Hello, this is Ryan Smith with Combat Sports Talk, and I am here today with Arjan Carlos Moreno. He is the Muay Thai coach at Oakdale MMA and Merced MMA. He's also the president of the American Muay Thai Association. We've also got George G Money Stallworth here, and he is going to be helping us out with this interview. Coach Arjan Thank you so much for uh, for for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excited. All right. Me too, man. Me too. It's been a long time coming, Coach. So, so just to start us off, 
Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit of your history and background um, as a coach, um, Coach Carlos? Okay. Well, um, prior turn coach years ago, back in the, the 90s, my first coaching, uh, real coaching gig was in 1993 at a uh, no-holds-barred event. And I had my uh, my cousin was actually fighting in it, and that's what got me started. Um, you know, so it, uh, I started t- coaching it, uh, Muay Thai and, and no holds barred back then. After I was, I fought before all that stuff. So, and uh, you know, UFC came out around the same time. It was really close in proximity, and uh, I've been with this, been with this game since since the beginning. If you if you don't mind, go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. How, how has it been for you? Um, transitioning from fighter to coach to judging, refereeing, and those things, and some of the the gaps and holes you see currently throughout the fight scene in general, not just Muay Thai, but MMA as well. Um, but that's why I got into it, though. So I wanted, you know, in my career, I feel like, you know, I, I've I'm, I'm in a point now where I, I want to keep giving back, not just to my students, but I'm seeing the gaps that's in MMA right now, and I'm seeing the holes that we have, and I'm and I feel like that's where I want to be. Because as I get older, let's say I'm 60, dude, how awesome would it be to go up and down states getting paid to sit and sit ringside, cage side, watch fights, and then tell them what I think. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's like ultimate. doesn't pay very well. I mean, they don't pay very much at all really for it. But you do, you do it because, you know, the love of the sport. You know, you want to grow and you want to see it. People, you know. Watching these fighters, man, they go on and they lose on the decision, and they don't understand why they lost. Like they don't, they're they're confused. Like, do what? What? I thought I won that fight, you know. And I, I think some of that uh, comes down to the coaching and the understanding what's going on during the event, during that fight, and what the ref, what the judges are seeing. You know, at some point you have to understand that, you know, if this Judge Hernandez over here, he, you know, he he's probably a boxing guy, so he's going to be looking for your hands. He's not going to care about your groundwork. And this other guy here, you know, you know, did some wrestling or something. So he's going to be looking at the takedowns, you know. And so it's a matter of, I think these the criteria for these judges needs to change. You know, I think one of the one of the things they were doing is they were having people come in with no experience, no no martial art background, nothing. And so they would watch the fight and decide who they win because they have no uh, idea what's really going on. They just say, "This, this is who I think wins." Is this guy? How, you know what I mean? How would the commissions ever? allow that to, to an untrained person who has no skill whatsoever like because what was the rationalization behind that they're not biased okay they're not biased and they're just seeing with what their own naked eyes were seeing you know and i understand that and i could see that i can appreciate that you know i think there was a time for that maybe in the beginning i think the beginning of you know of, of this whole transition of mma maybe that was a good fit because nobody really knew what's going on but now we're at a point where, you know, I'm a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, my wife's a black belt, you know. So I've been exposed to all this. My kids wrestle. I'm exposed to all this. And there's other, you know, I think I think judging should be like a resume you turn in. Like, if you're rounded and you understand it, you've, you've been an MMA coach and you've, you you know, you have a history of, of a little bit of deep, deep. I think that's a better judge that's going to understand, like, okay, so that takedown, and now he's laying on him, okay, I don't know how important that is. He's not doing any damage. He's just holding him there. And he gets back up, and the guy starts throwing bombs on him. He gets rocked and takes him down again and just lays on him. It, it's, you know, they, they swing one way, then they swing the other way. You know, oh, the takedowns are the most important thing. Well, what do you do with the takedown? 
if you don't do anything on that takedown, then that's just like landing a leg kick. Were you getting pieced up, and is that the reason why you got taken down? Yeah, I mean, it's. (laughs) I just think that I, I just felt that that was my next calling and my next step and my evolution as as a as a person, and and what I'm doing is 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 I want to be, you know, you honestly, I want to be a UFC judge. That's my ultimate goal, you know, and it's just the steps I need to take to get there. You're getting guys who are coming up, and they didn't come from a a strict Muay Thai background or a strict jujitsu background. They trained in a little bit of everything now and evolved as a fighter into that. They 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 are pure mixed martial artists as opposed to yeah. a Muay Thai fighter who became an MMA fighter or a jiu-jitsu guy who transitioned into MMA. And you're you're seeing more and more of these guys now. I think um, like Rory McDonald, a few other guys, you know, in the UFC are names that that you could really identify as those types of fighters. And that that that's that's where I think this is headed. You were talking about the evolution of the fight game in general. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. That's These new fighters are going to have to have different coaches, more than just one coach. They're going to have to have an MMA coach who does only MMA stuff and putting this stuff together. They're going to have to have a jiu-jitsu coach that focuses only on their ground stuff. They're going to have to have a wrestling coach to help on the takedowns. They're going to have to have a boxing coach to help with their hands. They're going to have to have a Muay Thai um, coach to help them with the rest of their limbs. And then the MMA coaches are the one who puts it all together for them. And that's that's what a real team of real MMA fighters should be, is five coaches. So if you're if it's five coaches, what gym in America has five elite coaches that you can go to and get everything in one shot? None. <laughs> Zero. Right? Everybody's got and then they're sparring, right? Then you gotta have good sparring partners. Good so sparring six, partners, yeah. I mean, and what and what do what do most men and women who fight, what do they want the most of? What's the funnest for them? Sparring. sparring. It's not about getting their technique better. They feel they think they need to get more sparring in order to get there, and that's what leads into damage. Because the more sparring you get, the more damage you take, and the more damage you take, you could be hurt before you even go into the fight. You could have brain issues going on before you go, and you could have a concussion from sparring. And now you're gonna go in a fight and get knocked out in the first round. And they think that guy is great, but what they don't know is that. You know, you were seeing stars two weeks ago in your last hard training camp, you know, and these are the challenges that we have. So speaking of sparring, I kind of want to pivot over into what you were just talking about, CTE and brain trauma. In your experience as a coach, how prevalent is it? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, I can back in. I think it was 2001. I had a fighter fighting. And we fought uh, Bobby Southworth. You know who he is. He was an ultimate fighter at one time. Um, and I think it was, we were fighting a three-round fight. And in the second round, he came back to the corner. And I looked in his eyes, and he was just, it was just glazed over. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to talk to him, and he wasn't listening. And I just waved it off. I go, oh, we're done. We're done. I'm not, mm-hmm. sending, I'm not sending him back out there. Do we get knocked out? Do we get seriously hurt? You know, he was already, he was already too much for him, you know. And I think there's a there's a there's a disconnect between wanting to win so bad and wanting to protect that human, that person, that friend, that student, protect them from themselves. Because I can tell you a lot of these fighters say, well, don't ever stop it, coach, don't stop, just let it go, let it go. If you care about somebody, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. Like, it was really hard for me to watch them not throw the towel in that last fight. Like, as a coach, 
I'm like, dude, when he came to the corner and you told him to do a Enzo Gari, bro, it, that's a wrap, man. He was he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't improving what he was doing. You should have, as a as a coach. And this is the tough part, right? Because then if you step in as a coach and, and call the fight off, the fire's gonna be matching. You, maybe he leaves you now. I would have won yeah. that fight, but you called it, so I'm going somewhere else because you don't care about me. When the reality is just the opposite. I cared so much about you that I realized where this is going. Yes, there's always that one shot, but you know, you guys both know from watching that fight that we just saw, the chances of him. Uh, knocking the other guy out was probably less than a percent at this point. He had nothing on his hands, nothing on his legs. He had no, he had no strength left. He was, he was at a point where he's only taking damage now. And how long do you let somebody go taking damage? You know, in amateurs, they stop it a lot faster, right? As soon as somebody gets rocked, they stop it. You know, and in, and in boxing and kickboxing, if you get knocked down, you get a standing eight count. Well, MMA doesn't do that. MMA lets it go. You know, and I don't know if a standing if a standing count should be should be thought about maybe, you know. But you know, in MMA, it's like, well, if he gets hurt and they jump on him and go for a choke or something, or you know, try to submit him, then it's then it's, you know, this is where the challenges are for for the CTE stuff because these are four ounce gloves they're using, you know. Right. And and we won't know really the effect of all these these fighters until for another five or ten years. That I mean, if you that think, goes into. The next thing I want to ask you about was a lot of times people, we, we expect to see these blatant effects after a fighter who's uh, suffering from CTE or anything like that. But very often it's not. You don't get to see that what's really going on behind the scenes. Can you talk about maybe some of the, the, the things that fighters go through in dealing with that, after, you know, when the lights are off, after everybody's left the ring, after everybody's left the cage and they're at home? You know, what, I, I, what, what kind of things do they go through? I have a close a close friend who was a student who got knocked out uh, at an event that we won two belts in that event, and he was he we had three fighters there we won two belts and he got knocked out. Backstage while the show's still going on, he's asking me what time do I go up? When do I go up? And I'm like, dude, it, it's over with. And about two seconds later, hey, uh, do I need to get ready? What, what, what time do I got to go up? And I'm like, dude, fight's over. We're done. And I told him you got knocked out. He's like. I got knocked out. Oh, okay. I feel okay. I was like, okay. Hey, when do I go up? Am I going up soon? I'm like, then their their brain becomes in this loop, you know, and it's a scary thing to see somebody you care about when they have when their their head being loopy. And this is the this is the combat sport we're in, right? We all know this so just accept this, you know. But um, you know, I had taken him to the hospital and, and then, you know, three hours later he seems normal again. And now you don't remember anything that happened. You don't remember the fight at all. It's a black spot that they have in their memory for the rest of their lives. And what I have noticed is that when somebody has gotten knocked out and their brain, because their brain hits the other wall inside their skull, right? That's, that's where the concussions come from. So once, it, once that has been done, they're more susceptible to get knocked out again. And once you've had a few, man, it's just like you barely touch the guy and they're going to, because there's nothing, nothing holding together. It's been damaged. He's damaged now. You know, look at uh, Overing we just saw. Overeem, I grew up watching Overeem, man. He was the demolition man in pride, and he was freaking a dude. I love that guy. He was a beast. His knees were killing people back in the day, right? He got touched by a guy who, who supposedly hits pretty hard, okay, but he barely got touched. And you saw what happened to him. And it wasn't just this fight. You watched the fight before, he got touched. And the fight before that, he got touched. Marco Krokop, no different. You know, once they've had a concussion like this, they're more susceptible. And once they've had two or three, 
you're going to start seeing these fighters, you know, down the road. Um, you know, we like Chuck Liddell, but it's hard to listen to him talk nowadays, right? You hear yeah. him talk, and, and, and it's it's sad and scary at times. Where at some points he seems normal, and then the other points it seems like, I don't understand what you're saying. You know, and um, I think we're going to find out here in the next, you know, six to ten years, uh, the real concussions that has happened from all these people getting concussions that, you know, in between fights, because there's been plenty of times I've been watching him fight and the camera zooms in to listen to the corner talk. And I can see by looking at the fireman's eyes that he's already had a concussion. Mm-hmm. His eyes are glazed to a point where, you know, he's just staring at the coach. He's not interacting with the coach and he's just ready to go. Because that's what fighters do, man. They go. That's all they know. That's what they're there for. And, I, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how, how, the, how this – how our sport is going to evolve in the next, you know, 10 years with this stuff. Because if you look at NFL and you look at all the things they start putting into place now because of concussions, MMA is going to go through the same thing, man. They're going to, it's going to have the same, we're going to have the same issues because what do they have when they're done? What do these fighters have? And there you have it. What a wonderful interview with, with, with coach Carlos. Thank you so much for the time that you gave us and all of the insight that you gave. It was just an amazing hour and a half that, that we, that he gave us. That was what a wonderful gift that was. Indeed. Um, I learned so much and he was, he started back there when it was the, it was back there in the, in the, in the very Genesis of, of MMA. So he, like I say, he knows those hardcore guys like Hodger and Henzo and Hoist. And uh, God forbid if he knows Hickson. He did mention they did, they did know Dan Severin. Those guys right there are not, those, yeah, those are manly men. I, 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 yeah. You know, something I learned in talking to him was uh, how it was referred to back then is NHB, NHB. No Holds Bar. Yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with that, man. Believe it or not, the the phrase was coined in a uh, was a King of the Cage six back in '96, I believe. I decided not to dispute anything you say since you got me on the uh, lightning strike. So I'm just gonna just yes, sir. <laughs> You are the okay. history book. You are the encyclopedia of knowledge. So I'm just going to, I'm not. Ryan, you're, you're dealing with a tech guy. You know, he could have immediately just gone out and created a website and, and trolled you with it just that quick. No, so no, no, because, because I am also a tech guy, which means that I have gone and done my independent research on my own as well and verified that indeed the, uh, yeah, there it is. Florida is the highest frequency of lightning in the United States. Uh, I, I searched for it myself. So You can just go to Florida.gov. I bow down. You got okay, me, sir. That's, that's, that's but, cool. That's you know, cool. Getting, getting back to the interview, the, the thing that, I mean, it, it really hit me, hit me right in the heart listening to him talk about seeing the fighters when, they're, when their eyes are glazed and just saying, no more sending a fighter out there when you know that his odds of winning, you know, your fighter, you know what the odds are that just sending your fighter out there when they're hurt and and they're damaged and they're not going to win the fight. Continuing the fight just seems like insult to injury at that point. And, And it made me feel good to know that there are people 
who put the health and safety of their friends first. That it goes beyond just the winning and the losing and the and the machismo that 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 comes along with being a fighter. That there's something bigger than that. And you know, one of the things that if you go and watch the long form interview, he talks about how Muay Thai, in specific terms, has this tradition and these you know the, the the these familial things that you do, where you're not just a student anymore. You're a part of the family. And the question becomes, could you see your, could you keep sending your child out into a ring after you know that he's been rocked, that he is now concussed, that he is no longer able to defend himself, yet the fight is still going on? And if you can't, couldn't send your child out, how could you then send your student out there? And that, that I think is, is I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it hit me emotionally and, and you can tell that it did. So you know, thank you to, to coach for, for, for spending that time. All right. Fight Island update. Ron, before you go there, I, I saw something on the run sheet. Maybe we just hadn't got to it yet, but I just want to check and make sure. Um, Mike Perry. Yeah. Oh. You, you know, it, it is on the run sheet. I was going to, I was going to circle back around, but since, since, since you, uh, since you brought it up, let's, let's talk about it. Mike Perry. While we're talking about brain damage. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my segue, by the way. But you know, yeah. I'm, but so I'm glad you brought it up. Mike Perry said he is done with coaches. He only wants his girlfriend and maybe her friend in his corner for his next fight. And there's actual video of this, people. You, this is not hard to find. And you could just, what's this boy problem? CTE. Okay, honestly, what? Yeah, CTE. What's CTE? <laughs> you know that, that this 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 dude is. I mean, you know, love him, hate him, or laugh at him. This is where it becomes dangerous. And I'm for one. Okay, you gotta have some sort of coach in your corner that can see the things that you don't see while you're in the middle of it. You want to well, sit there? Okay, what I think ahead. Mike is is saying, though, John, is that he hasn't had that. Coaches have failed him. To some degree, or, or something to that effect, is what I, I gather. He the point he's making. So and he feels like he's better off by himself as a result. So that sounds like that he is angry because he's angry at his performance, and he's finding somebody to blame, which is something that your the that 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 Arjan Carlos was talking about. That you know that if you're you you feel like your coach didn't do do what you wanted for them. And I'm paraphrasing at this point. Uh, you didn't do what you wanted for them, so I'm just going to leave you. And I think that is that that can be. In certain cases, there are coaches out there that do that. We I could think of a couple of them right now, but I won't mention names. But for the most part, I, I most coaches that I've seen uh, Mike Perry with, um, he was with he was with Greg Jackson at some at one point. I don't see a problem with that. I don't see Greg Jackson doing dirty. Never mind. Hey. I'll, I'll back. I'll, I'll back down. Listen, but the the fact is, is that when he was with Greg Jackson, he was winning. Yeah. I don't know what he's done since then, but the fact is, is that Mike Perry's style of fighting is. I mean, it's not super complex, or at least it doesn't look complex to me. I mean, he's really going in there to try to knock somebody's heads off. And and the thing is, is that perhaps 
I, I would love to hear what his coach, what, what what his coaches have to say, and what the game plans are when he goes into these fights. Because the amount of damage that Mike Perry takes in a fight, I mean, it's remember when bad. his nose was like smashed down and over to the side, and yet he was still fighting and still trying to knock people's heads off. Like, like it's just not the style of fighting that really succeeds in today's MMA world. And it's that kind of bully, you know, grimy kind of fighting that uh, Diego Sanchez is known for. It's the same style of fighting that, you know, some of these other fighters are known for. And, and now we are, as coach said, multiple years removed from some of these big wars and we're starting to see the impact of those in the decision-making that people like Diego Sanchez, who's now got one guy in his corner. Now you've got someone like um, Mike Perry, who wants his girlfriend, who, I mean, maybe she has you know, a steep background in, in, in MMA or some type of martial arts, but I don't think so. So it's a destructive type thing. It's 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 a red flag that we need to start paying attention to, and the and the UFC really needs to start thinking through what is their long term strategy for taking care of these fighters who have given them the who has given the UFC literally their lives, their best part of their lives, for the success of the sport. Um, this actually reminds me of Big Country. Uh, Roy Nelson, when he when he first showed up on The Ultimate Fighter, um, he he had no coach, but he had phenomenal talent. Come to find out, he had an altercation with the Lions Den, which 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 was a group they was being led by Ken Shamrock, uh, one of the first mixed martial art clubs, and he just had a falling out with them. He, he said he said the same thing that Platinum Mike Perry was. <coughs> Excuse me. He eventually did get with the group. With the team, and I think it was ATT they got with, and he started he started flourishing, and I think what what Mike Perry needs to do is saying just shop around, try and find a team, get with somebody. Don't do this on your own because uh, Roy Nelson was of just a few years. You know, if he didn't make it in the Ultimate Fighter, he probably would be on regional circuits right now, if even fighting. So, Mike Perry, if you see this out in the ether somewhere. Find a coach. Find a real group. All right, brother. I, I want to see you be at your best. Find a real coach or a real crew to run with. Your girlfriend is not gonna do no, don't do that. Don't do unless your girlfriend is Cynthia Rothrock or Chris Cyborg, do not do that. Okay? That's all I got to say about it. George. Uh, speaking as a coach, man, um, Mike, go out there and do this on your own and see how that works out for you. You know, you're saying that you don't need a coach, you don't need someone game planning. Um, sounds like you don't want a team either, so who are your sparring partners going to be? Who's going to hold mitts for you? You know what I'm saying? Who's going to do the things that, that you're saying you don't need done? Vice versa, um, you're not going to have somebody in your corner there to stop it when things go too far. And Mike, we've seen it with you already. We've seen fights where you you walk away damaged, and had you had someone in there who who could give you proper guidance, they may may have saved you from some of that damage. 
we just had Carlos on talking about this, man. CTE is real. The reason Anthony Smith is talking the way he's talking right now, I can't help but think, is CTE a factor? Mike Perry, is CTE a factor? Um, Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez. is. That's not even a question of whether or not CTE is a factor. John Jones, mm. you know, the, the, this erratic behavior coming from guys, is CTE BJ a factor? Penn. And the, another one, man. So, you know, by all means, guys can do what they want. You know, if, if you want to walk in there without a coach, bless you, wish you well. The only thing I can think is you're making an excuse for why you're not a title contender right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's without real. Without a coach, what you're really that's, saying is I'm going to be a journeyman. So that's the that, so that's real. I don't I don't know where I don't know on which coast uh, Mike Perry's based, but if he's if he's over in the California area, Coach Carlos said send him to me. Send him to me. <laughs> there it is. Go see Coach Carlos. He'll he'll tighten you up holla, real quick. Holla at our boy. He'll he'll get he'll get you straight. All right. So Fight Island update. It's real. Dana White says it's going to be ready by June. We're just a few days away from that. He said in July he's going to spend an entire month in July at Fight Island. So it's real. I I I hope it's real. Let me just say it that way. I'm saying it's real. I hope it's real. I, I think I called it when I said that International Fight Week was going to happen on that island. I will take credit for that now. That's 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 the goal. That's that's definitely the goal. Um, there's crazy stuff going coming coming out about what fights going to look like on International Fight Week, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about one of those fights in just a bit. Henry Cejudo is out. He they have scrubbed his name from the title on the website at the UFC that it is now a blank space where his name used to be over the bantamweight division. It is now a vacant title. So, um, Henry Cejudo left. He said, uh, I'm happy with my career. I'm done with the sport. I want to walk away. I want to enjoy myself. I'm 33 years old. You know, it's interesting. This all coincided with the fact that there was a female on this planet who was willing to look beyond the King of cringe um, and and that was enough for him. He's like, if she's willing to stick with me through this, she's the one. I'm paraphrasing though. Um, he says, since I was 11 years old, I've sacrificed my whole life to get where I'm at today, and I'm not going to let anybody take that from me. So I'm retiring tonight. I'm 33 years old. I'm happy with my career, Uncle Dana. I want to say thank you for everything. You're the man. That's what he said in the ring after the fight. His coach, who originally said, I don't think he's done. His coach came back a, a few weeks later and said, I think he's done. So um, I think this is it. The last sign that, that, that Henry Cejudo is done is what? They take him out of the USADA pool. Right. Until they take him out of the USADA pool, he's not, not really done. done. If anything, this sounds like the UFC was like, oh, I'm glad he's gone. Wipe him off. You know, that's what it sounds like to me. Because I, th- I think they're supposed to take you out of the pool first and then, or at least do it like one right at the same time, almost simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they scrubbed him quick. Yeah, it was quick. Deuces. Um, yeah. But, th- you know, I, I think that's the thing is because I think that the UFC does the, 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 the lighter weight class is kind of dirty anyway, though, right? You know, yeah. um, but. You know, at the same time, he talked about it, but he didn't really give that heads up to to Dana White that he was going to do that either. You know, it would have been a kind of a common courtesy to tell the the president of the promotion where you fight that you plan on retiring after this fight, win or lose. Yeah, just 
announce it on live. Yeah. Live on their venue on top of that. People like Dana White don't like surprises. That's like slapping Dana in the face, you know. It is. And so I, I don't I, I don't blame them for being like, okay, if you're really done, then your name doesn't exist anymore. We're gonna move forward. We're gonna find us a new champion. Peter Yan versus somebody, as Dana White said. Um, speaking of champions, you know whenever we're talking about champions, that one four letter word comes up. And it's the and it's gotten even worse because of this whole Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary, ten part documentary. Everybody <laughs> wants to talk about the goat of something, and so you know, I feel like the goat of basketball has been decided. We we can all kind of agree, you know, there's one or two names that you're going to put in the goat of boxing, maybe hockey. You've got a goat, but MMA is still very much disputed. And one Conor McGregor decided that he was going to give his list of who the GOAT is. Do y'all want to hear that? Did y'all see it? Mm. I saw it. Uh, yeah, go All ahead. Right. Throw number it one, out there. The GOAT, number one's GOAT, according to Conor McGregor, is Anderson Silva. Tied for number one, or a very close number two, is Conor McGregor. Number three is George St. Pierre. Number four, or perhaps tied for number three, is Johnny Bones Jones. Not listed, Mighty Mouse, who says uh, he had limited competition and he lost his fight against Dominic Cruz, which is revisionist history because he fought Dominic Cruz before he won the 125-pound the title. Um, and he was a part-time fighter when he fought for the title. That's how great Domin uh, Demetrius Johnson is. But you know I'm a fan. Person he did not put on the list, 28-0, Habib Nurmagomedov. So I feel like Conor McGregor's list of goats is a bit skewed. <laughs> just a bit. Just you a don't bit. have Habib Nurmagomedov. I, I, I like that he put points in to make his, his to to show his reasoning behind it, though. Like some of the points that he makes, I do like where he was going. Other than the fact that he really put himself at number two tied for number tied one. for number one, right? Um, that people did not like it. Um, namely, one Michael the Count Bisping, um, where <laughs> Conor, Conor McGregor slided him a couple of times, calling him a uh, you know one-eyed Michael Bisping. Uh, Michael Bisping responded, "Well, this one-eyed fighter you speak of actually beat your number one, and he defended his belt. So your logic doesn't actually hold up. So anyway, have a good day. Facts. Um, John Jones actually responded, and John Jones said, and still try that one first." lad um because <laughs> conor mcgregor he's won two titles but he's never defended never. the ufc title so how are you gonna be the goat when you've never even defended a title and there's fighters all around you on that list that you have that have defended the title over and over and over again every single one of those people on that list defended the title at least like seven or eight times maybe even more i know I, I, what is it? Ten for Anderson Silva, you know, something like that. The, Don, John Jones doesn't have consecutive, but he's got like thirteen title defenses or thirteen title fights, something like that. Fourteen title defenses for John Jones. GSP has thirteen. 
and I think it's title I fights. Uh, you know, but then again, I'm 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 not I'm not gonna dispute you, sir, because <laughs> I was wrong. It's okay. I have known okay. to been wrong, and you have proven me. I, lightning strikes. Lightning. I want lightning to strike twice. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, though. I, I you might be right. Entitled fights. Or title titled fights. Fights. Yeah. Um, Connor. Since we're on Connor, t- Connor has a shot though at history, because. Remember, the fight that we really wanted to see was Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. But Jorge Masvidal has started talking trash about running things back with um, Nick, Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz. And so, with no one to fight, you know, Ali Abdelaziz is like, hey, Connor, do you want a shot at the 170 title? Now, I don't know if this is real. But that could be the fight. That could be the title fight that you see at International Fight Week. That would be the craziest thing. That's the craziest lob I've ever heard. Okay, you don't set your boy up like that unless you absolutely know your boy is gonna run through. All right, Kamara Usman is a one seventy guy. That means he cuts to one seventy. Exactly. Connor Connor maybe walks around at one seventy five. But it's the whole fact that he gonna get nah. broke. That 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 he gonna get broke. I don't know. How I can say that he's anymore going to get broken. I, I thought I thought Justin was going to be you know crying about how he got his butt kicked, but Justin didn't get his butt kicked. But but Justin is a one fifty fiver fighting right, a one fifty fiver weight division. Connor Connor fought at one seventy, but he fought one fifty fivers who were at one seventy. Right. He didn't I fight a tomorrow Usman probably walks around at 212 pounds. Naked and wet. My point being is, I don't want this massive juggernaut that is Kamaru Usman go in there and fight Connor, and Connor beats him. Because not only do I have to hear him scream proper 12, and I'm the, I'm the triple C, okay? But he's never going to defend that title and throws the welterweight division into all sorts of disarray again. Well, I, I get what you're saying, but the, I mean, one, the likelihood of that fight is it's not very likely. The UFC would probably love to make that fight, but I, I don't really see that as the money style fight other than the fact that it's an opportunity for Conor to win three belts. There, there's not really a, a history of drama between Kamaru and Conor. Uh, there is between Ali Abdelaziz. Mm-hmm. The real fight we all know is going to be a rematch with Khabib at some point. That's that's going to be the money fight. I'm guessing Ali is is just chomping at the bit because he likes to step up for his fighters. And so as a as a you know a do over for Khabib or what not a do over, but as a shout out for Khabib because he can't fight right now. He's like, well, you know what? I got my 170 champ over here. Why don't you take a crack at him, Connor McNuggets? I don't know. He's doing, a, he's doing such a Cobra Kai right now. It's it, not even funny. <laughs> but but I, I, all I know is that this this is not a fight that Connor wants. It can't be. He, you know, he can talk as much smack as he wants about being able to go up to 170, but there's not a legitimate it's it's not a legitimate thing. He would get broken. So, anyway, um so there we go. 
June 13th, couple of couple of quick hits. June 13th, um, Babyface Benoit, Ryan Benoit, is on the card for June 13th. Going to be facing Tyson Nam. Now I know it as Benoit, but I know that it's not pronounced that way. Um, but he is he's a hometown hero for us. So shout out to to Ryan Benoit. Um, to to get on that card, we're going to be rooting for you. Uh, June 13th. Uh, you didn't know Ryan's one of my training partners. He he's a teammate of mine over at Saxons. Um, I see Ryan on a regular basis. L, we were just at practice all last week. All right. Um, I'm prepping for these fights that are coming up. He, he he he's been talking about it with us for a minute. So I'm I'm very excited for this fight. Um, I'm hoping these guys come on come out and put on a great show. This is a 125 pound fight, so you know these guys love to get with it real quick, and mm-hmm. the action is thick in the 125 division. So, hey. not only that, 125 belt is up for grabs. So this is a chance for for Ryan to move up and, and place himself as a real contender in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. All right. Well, we'll be rooting for him for sure. You know, when, once once we get closer to that fight, we'll definitely make that pick. For sure, show show our solidarity behind him. Tai Chi Master gets starched. Have you seen the video? I haven't I seen the, this, man. It, I thought this was a recycle, man. I thought oh, it was a recycle man. too, but no, it's not the same. There's so there's a there's a famous Chinese MMA fighter who's going around basically debunking all of the Chinese martial art grandmasters and embarrassing them, and so much that his in China, there's something called your 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 social capital. There's a there's a rating that you get, and as you do things that are not respected by the government or things like that, then you lose your rating and you lose access to resources in the society. His rating is so low he can't travel in public transportation. But this isn't the guy that 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 this isn't the guy in the video. Um, he, it's this, it's kind of like a hobbyist. It says a hobbyist. Um, so basically a weekend warrior who trains in, in, in some type of a martial art fights this Tai Chi grandmaster. It's not pretty. Dude gets knocked out and he is light as a feather, stiff as a board. Mm. See, my problem with this is that we have a guy that's 20 years, that's, uh, let's see, 69, and he says 20, at least 20 years. He's in his 40s and his 30s. Why can I not get a, a Tai Chi master in his 40s, or at least a Tai Chi, a Tai Chi practitioner that is the same age as the practi- as the, as his opponent, and let them go for it? Because, and then if he gets well, starched, I'm okay. Why? Because... The 30-year-old Tai Chi practitioner is not the one out there boasting, saying that he can stop a bullet with his two fingers. Hold on, man. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying, these guys are debunking these, these martial artists who are out there making these exuberant claims uh-huh. and that, that really bring, I guess, a bad light on on traditional martial arts. We've all seen it before, man. Hell, you probably met some of these guys back in the day when you were younger yourself. These guys who walked around with the karate geese on and their black belts showing things or whatever and and probably only trained for three months. Or, you know, at some taekwondo school and they got their black belt in, you know, two days or whatever the case may be, man. Don't get me wrong. I'm sad to see stuff like this go up on video. Yeah. But we all know there's this 
there, there's this Instagram account called um, McDojo Life or something mm-hmm. to that. Show, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, we see it on display there all the time, man. Don't get me wrong. I have the greatest respect for martial artists in general all around, no matter what martial art you practice, because I know what it's like to go through and put yourself through a, a, a regimen that is required to become a specialist at whatever martial art you're in, but vice versa. Don't take just because you've become a, I guess, adept at whatever that martial art is and take it to the next level and start spitting out fake stuff. You know, how you can stop bullets or, you know, you can take down any MMA fighter or your martial art is so much better than any other martial art out there. Because I promise you, there, there, you know, there's somebody in your weight division, somebody at your skill level who will make you eat those words. So Juan Wimbles said Tai Chi Master had a bad day. He's ready now. Um, I, I, I don't think he could ever be as re- I, I was watching it. He, he, not, he was never ready. He was never ready. He ain't never <laughs> going to be ready. Mm-mm. No, no. Not he tomorrow. Wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. He needs some milk. Is that what he needs? He, he he needs he he needs he needs a coach in his corner telling him, "Don't do this." <laughs> this is for you, Mike. Mike Perry, don't be the don't be a sixty nine year old Tai Chi coach, the Tai Chi master. You're gonna get starched. Um. UFC 250 preview. Uh, Amanda Nunes versus uh, Felicia Spencer. They've they've announced the fights on the card. They do not have the order yet. But there's a lot of people bad mouthing this card. You know, the UFC put a lot of their greatest fighters on this on that week of on that week of fighting. That you know, this is kind of that transition card where you've got a lot of fighters that we as MMA fans like to see, but it's it doesn't have the 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 broad appeal. For you know, people who are more casual fans of the of the sport, but going through the list real quick, Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer are the headliners. Looks like the co-main event is going to be Rafael Assuncao versus Cody Garbrandt, which I'm glad to see Cody's coming back. I think he's going down a weight class though. Uh, Al Jermaine Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen. That should be a number one title eliminator fight right there. Jussier Formega versus Alex Perez. Neil Magny's back against Anthony Rocco Martin. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Versus Eddie Wineland. Haven't heard that name in a long time. I know. That's what I was looking at, too. I'm like, I will watch that fight. I will personally watch that fight. The Battle of the Afros. Uh, Alex Caceres versus Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, you might remember, is that young, up-and-coming fighter who looked like he's a you know 125-pound beanpole with a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a Afro choking folks out. Um Keep your eye on Chase Hooker. That guy, Hooper, Chase Hooper. That's a guy to watch. Alonzo Menafield versus Devin Clark. Ian Heinish versus Gerald Mearshart. And Charles Bird versus Maki Pilato. So that's 250. But we got a fight card coming up this weekend. Oh, do we? UFC on ESPN 9, Woodley versus Burns. This is the fight card. All right, Dana White promised us that we were going to have a fight card on May 30th. May 30th is this weekend. It's going to be at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada for UFC on ESPN 9. 
Woodley versus Burns. There are five fights on the card. Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. Roosevelt Roberts versus Brock Weaver. Someone you may know, George. Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. Blagoy Ivanov versus Augusto Sakai. And then the main event of the evening, Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. Let's make two picks. Got to make the pick for Kevin Holland. He's a hometown hero. Let's go ahead and, and make that pick. Who you got, George? Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. I'm going with my man, Kevin, man. You know, he's doing like a, uh, what is this, a two-week, three-week turnaround mm -hmm. on this fight? He just fought on the last um, mm -hmm. set of fights. He sure did. So, hey, go get it, man. I think he had, what, the fight was, what, 40 seconds? 40-something seconds, yeah. Yeah, so quick turnaround for Kevin, man. Absolutely, go get it. All right, John. Hey, they said fighters that, that stay fighting and stay healthy with, with quick turnarounds like that, they usually win. Kevin Holland, good luck, man. All right. Well, you know, we, we are all behind you, Kevin Holland. Um, I, I got you as well. Speaking of Kevin, right. So he's fighting this one at 170. Do you know he actually came into the UFC at 185? He fought Tiago Santos. Wow. Yes. Oh, wow. And uh, gave him problems, too. Yeah, that was a late late fight replacement too, wasn't it? Yes. Oh wow. Yes, that's that's right. N no, he f what was it Tiago Santos? I thought it was two oh five. Yes, he he fought Tiago Santos. That's crazy, Maheta. Wow. I think he fought him at one eighty five. Okay, it may have been one eighty five, but still, that wasn't Problems. an easy fight. Yeah. For Santos. <laughs> no, it was not. An easy fight. <laughs> um, I, I, Santo said that uh, Kevin was talking to him while while he, uh, I think they were on the ground, and Thiago was throwing punches at him, and he said Kevin was talking to him, saying stuff like, don't hit me so hard, man, and then he would throw an elbow at him. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is known for talking during his fights, man. Uh, I can appreciate a fighter like that. I really can. All right, let's make our main event pick. Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. John, who you got? I'm going to go with Tyron Woodley. Um, he's, he's talked the game. It's time for him to walk the game now. George? Man, I don't know, John. Hey, man, you talk this much. You talk as much as you have for as long as you have. You better go in that ring and, like, do a one-hit a quitter. All right, for real. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns. Hey, very, very game opponent, man. Oh, I know. He's like, very, very game. I know. And not only that, Tyron's coming off of a loss to Kamaru. Um, if I was Tyron's coach, if I was Duke and whoever else is in Tyron's corner right now, I'd be like, can we get a tune-up fight somewhere? You know, can mm -hmm. we fight, you know, somebody who, you know. Because mm -hmm. Tyron already Can we fight that. somebody else coming off of a loss at least? Uh-uh, Tyron already said it. I'll fight anybody. Okay, that was just a bad night. I don't know who that cat is. So, I'm coming back. I'm fighting Caliber. No. And he fought the... Apparently, this Caliber is 357. All right, so, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, homie. Okay? When I saw this, I was like, I like Tyron Woodley. You, you know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about his fighting ability, but Gilbert Burns... The Gilbert Burns is Damian Maya if Damian Maya could strike. Yeah. Yes. Who, who does Vegas have have as the uh, 
the, the odds. Were. I don't have. I don't have. I don't have the odds in front of me. Um, I'm sure they uh, have Tyron Woodley because you know Tyron Woodley is a former champ. You know, and and all of these kind of things. You know, he's got the five five round experience and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Gilbert Burns is a dynamic fighter. He can take this fight on to the ground. He can take it standing up. I I, I think the diversity of what he can do. Is going to give Tyron Woodley some fits. I got Gilbert Burns in this fight. Um, I, I'd probably roll with Gilbert as well, man. We're seeing this all throughout MMA, man. It's almost like a changing of the changing guard. Changing of like, the guard. There, there are these guys just on the cusp of they're not too old or anything like that. They're still in their primes, but we're seeing these new fighters who who have come along and they didn't just train in one art and then transition into MMA. These guys came up as total mixed martial artists from day one they were training wrestling jiu-jitsu boxing muay thai and any other martial art that they may have in their background and it, it has completely revolutionized what we see in mma today and you know who started that trend right rory, rory mcdonald is my favorite one to yeah yeah but uh and it works i mean this is this is the evolution we have a lot of great champions to thank for 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 doing that, and so now I mean I'm I've lost. I think our the last the last of the old guard that I can think of is John Jones, and John Jones is starting to run a little scared. Let's put it out there, and uh, just uh, after looking at at verdict, uh, the it looks like that Tyron Woodley is the favorite right now. It's a one fifty. Uh, Gilbert Burns is a three is a three fifty. Uh, underdog. That's wow. pretty big. It's three to one, yeah. So yeah, I I I, I like the odds. There's gonna be a lot of money on those Gilbert uh, bits. Somebody getting paid. I like yeah, I like that. <laughs> but then again, don't listen to me because I have known to been wrong about picking fights. So you know, but George said so. It's probably true. Anyway, <laughs> I, no, I said it. And this one I'm going with. I, I've just seen the trend lately, man. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of our fighters who. You know, they're not over the hill by no means, but they're they're just they're at that point in their careers where there's there really is a change of the guard coming through. And you have to recognize that and realize what's taking place. Look through all your champions in divisions right now, man. And you've seen all these. Henry Cejudo. Mm -hmm. One forty five is uh, Volkanovski now. Mm -hmm. Uh, One fifty five is Khabib. I I wouldn't call him necessarily one of the newer guys, um, but. Okay, 170 right now is Kamaru, definitely. You know, um, 185 right now. It's Izzy. Yeah. Izzy. It's all throughout here, man. John Jones is still at 205. That's understandable. And our heavyweight champ right now is Stipe. But look at who you got sitting in the wind. Francis Ngannou. Yes. Wakanda forever. Oh, no. No, no, let's not do This it. is your cultural <laughs> awareness moment. Oh, my God. I can't do it. If Glitch was here, he could do it, but I, I tried. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there is there, there seems to be a changing of the guard. Perhaps it's not 2020. Perhaps it's 2021 when we see the full shift of, of, of fighters to this new breed of fighter. Because the, the thing is, is that, you know, the evolution of the sport, I think, is gaining momentum such that now it's harder to stay at the top of your game for longer because there's more people who can do what you do. John Jones used to be heaven, you know, head and shoulders above everybody. Now he's only up to his 
ears, you know? Yeah. So, um, so in a year's time, it may not be Dominic Reyes. It may be the guy who comes after Dominic Reyes, but that's going to be, you know, the person that, that John Jones is not going to be able to, 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 to respond to, you know, that's the person, you know, Gilbert Burns may be the guy that gives Kamaru Usman his first loss of a round. You know, he may be the first person to beat Kamaru Usman. So it's 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 coming, and that's what makes this sport exciting. And it, for people who are just looking and dipping your toe, this is a great time to start getting into a sport like this because we are seeing these new fighters that we don't know, like Sugar Sean O'Malley, who's got a lot of excitement coming up. He is he is going to be one of those new names that could be the next title holder. He could be the next Conor McGregor. We don't know. It's worth watching. Follow us on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Combat Sports Talk. I'm at Keys to Victory, and that's Keys with the E-S. At Darkside underscore MMA underscore on Instagram for me. You can find everything on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. If you were interested in the interview with Arjan Carlos Moreno, our the entire interview will be posted on our website tomorrow but you can go to youtube today and see the rest of the interview it was a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal interview a shout out to mma junkie mma fighting mma mania bloody elbow and the intelligent defense discussion group on facebook that's where we get a lot of our headlines and and and, and a lot of the discussions that we have here start over there and all the other sites providing us the stories that we use on the show once again our gratitude goes out to coach uh carlos moreno and on behalf of John Keyes and George Stallworth, I'm Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.